Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. had so many of you beautiful people write in questions for Smoky Husky. We had to do it in two parts. So fear not. Uplift your little pig hearts. If, if you didn't get your question read out loud, maybe this is the chance. What do you think? I think uh, this is our moment. We broke for lunch. I had two beers and uh, might he's, get a little saucy on this one. He's ready to get saucy. Let's get right to the, to the difficult question. Smoky Husky... Nikki L316 writes, we're all familiar with Eliza's views on eliminating the use of less use single plastic, but do you share those same views? And if so, are you able to successfully implement those views in your life and your work life as well? I graduated culinary school in 2017, but have been working in restaurants and bakeries since 2013, and I always feel so guilty how much plastic I end up having to use each day. Do you guys have any advice on using less plastic in the kitchen? Uh, yes, um... I think I was a little more focused on this before we met. He was. Um, you had all the healthy views that I knew, but I'm slowly becoming you. Um, and I'm, yeah, and I'm slowly becoming you as well as we grow into one. In what ways? Over time. Um, goofy voices. <laughs> and um, I'm super for one. Yeah, the restaurant side of it is is tough. Um, there's, as you know, in the restaurant business, it's just, it's a huge part of it. Um, luckily, you know, California has a lot of legislature kind of uh, moving in those directions. Yeah, I don't remember the last time I saw styrofoam. Like, that's like almost a thing of the past. Yeah. Um, but it's actually interesting data about like, it's it's just, we always talk about this, like with environmental impact, it's like, which part of the environment do you want to focus on? Yeah. Um, and so I think it actually requires less carbon emissions to make styrofoam than it does to make single-use plastic. But the, it's, all, it's all these complicated things. Um, it but- is, I also want to say it's tricky when you go to like a green restaurant, like a vegan place. First of all, it's not necessarily better because it's deep fried. So maybe you're not hurting an animal. But, it's, but then they give it to you in a plastic container. Yeah. And again, it's that thing of which part do you Do you want to hurt yourself, an animal, the planet, carbon footprint? trees, like what do you want to kill today? Yeah. Um, so, you know, you want to be vegan, but then your almond milk is is destroying drought-stricken California's water supply. Um, so, you know, try to educate. And anything that you know that you can do that is guaranteed to be better. So, you know, less waste, eating all your food versus throwing it away, no single-use plastic. 
the no, ubiquity. Pokeballs. There's Pokeballs on every corner. You don't deserve fresh <laughs> tuna on every street. What are you, a shark? You don't deserve it. And then it's always in a takeout thing that's plastic. And then they're always like, it's compostable. No, it's not. You got to go to a commercial composting facility. You don't know where those are. It's compostable, but doesn't mean it gets compost. Just because it's compostable, if you throw it into a landfill, it's not going to compost. Yeah, beer's chuggable doesn't mean you should chug all your beer. Fair point. I'm able doesn't mean I'm going to do it. I'm trying to lose as many listeners as we can right at the top. You know what? Another thing. Uh, the movie business, show business is also a huge uh, waster of plastics. Um, when you go on a movie set, everything is fresh. Everything is, when you get your makeup done, they just use disposable, quote unquote, applicators and sponges and the amount of waste because uh, people are all just kind of trying to do their jobs and nobody, nobody thinks about it, you know? Well, and so often wealth is kind of represented by abundance, or it was historically, and then it became that uh, abundance is just kind of uh, the standard. The, yeah, and so now I guess the way you represent wealth is by uh, living like a peasant in the eighteen hundreds. Oh my god, that's so true. It's so funny. You're like, I use an oat scrub, <laughs> my reusable Venus cup, and a jade breast enhancer. All of our clothes are washed in a river by poor people. <laughs> Okay, moving on to questions that are less upsetting. McKenna, Catherine, what's the most underrated spice, seasoning, and or ingredient? Underrated. Triple X, underrated. <laughs> uh, underrated is complicated, uh, but uh, what's this rating system we're going off of? But um, let's see, what are spices that I use a lot at least? I think yellow mustard is the best. Mustard is, I would say more, yeah. Mustard as a spice is cool, but it's really, we use yeah. it more as a condiment. A prepared, yeah, a prepared truffle mustard. salt. It's really underrated. Uh, not, not enough everywhere. It is fancy. Well, this is kind of the truffle salt versus truffle oil thing. Most people don't realize if you go to a restaurant that has like a truffle pasta, if it's not $175 to eat it, that means they're using truffle oil, which is, uh, for the most part, Devoid of truffles. It's made in a laboratory to taste like something somewhat resembling truffle, but is not truffle. Just so you know, in case you're going out for your birthday dinner. Okay, here we go. Service industry question. Lauren W underscore M7. I frequent a restaurant in my city regularly, about once a week. Well, if you frequented, it is regular. Okay. Two of the bartenders have gotten to know me and my eating and drinking habits so much that they know my drink, my entrees, my sides, etc. One day I went in and it was a different bartender, a person who's normally a server filling in for one of the regular bartenders. She was running around like a maniac. Her panic behavior was not comparable to how not busy the restaurant was. I was the only one sitting at the bar and there were two booths in her section. That's all. Additionally, the bar area was a mess. Dirty plates still left on the tables, empty glasses... I've seen the other two bartenders a lot busier uh, and their work area was still clean and tidy. When I found out she wasn't normally a bartender, I felt a literal leave but decided not to go back on nights she worked because seeing her so panicky and manic made me really anxious when I just wanted to be left alone in peace and eat and watch the games on the TV. That being said, my question is, when do you go to a re- when you go to a restaurant, is there anything that is a red flag for you that makes you think, I won't be coming back here again? Not necessarily the food quality, but something else you notice in your first impression of the place. That was a lot of context, Lauren. A lot of wind up. Big wind up, tiny punch. Uh, sorry. So the question is, what are things we notice that basically make us Lauren not- went and she you vote. Oh, with I your got d- that part. But what's oh, the question? Uh, red flags. That uh, if the food's fine, you still wouldn't go back. Um, oh, we had that one waiter who cursed at us. 
but like was being cool. He's like, yeah, it's all fucking good. Like it's whatever, all the oysters are great. And I was like, too familiar. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, it, it does depend on the type of restaurant you're going to. Like if I go to San Gabriel Valley and eat at like a hole in the wall Chinese restaurant that makes like amazing, you know, beef rolls and the and the Chinese waiter barely speaks English and treats me like shit, like I'm fine with it. Right. But if it happened at, you know, Osteria Moza, it would be really weird. And uh, well, it's like, what are you paying for? What's what's what do you what experience are you paying for? Hole in the wall or fine dining? Yeah, I I always kind of say, and I used to do food writing for a living, and the way that I always thought about stuff with like restaurant reviews is what you're really trying to do is give someone the context that they need to be able to enjoy the place. So if you go into a restaurant with the wrong context, you could end up having a miserable experience if your expectations are for something totally different than what they're offering. Um, That being said, if you're going to your neighborhood restaurant and you like it because of the familiarity and the way it's sort of an easy, nice, comfortable experience and you have a, you know, harried, stressed out server or bartender, uh, that sucks. You know Um, what goes away a long way, I think? Because there's nothing worse. I hate this. I don't know if I'm calling, I think I'll call it like negative time. Like when you sit down and they give you the menu or they don't give you a menu. So you're just sitting there. And I understand waiters being busy, but when I'm sitting there for like 20 minutes and nothing's being accomplished and they come over, they're like, okay, ready? If all you have to do is come up and be like, hey, you guys, we're slammed. We will be right with you. Just let me know that I exist so that I'm not waiting for no reason. Totally. And then if they are pretending as if nothing bad happened. That drives me crazy. Like you're so much better off being honest with someone saying, hey, listen, uh, there was a huge mess up in the kitchen. Your plate fell on the ground. They had to make it again from scratch. Like, I'm so sorry. It'll be an extra 15 minutes. It's better than like, it'll be right out. We're a little backed up tonight. Like that's a bullshit answer. People tend to, you know, also when you're honest, it's like at the end of the day, at least you're being honest. We went to a restaurant in uh, Vermont. What was it called? Bartlett House. Oh, maybe. This always drives me crazy. I always feel like I'm on the outskirts of humanity. Everybody loves a thing. And I go and I'm like, this was mediocre. And everyone's like, oh, but we love it. And I'm like, I don't think I'm a monster. I think my bar is just a little bit higher. We went to this place. It was an old house or like a factory. And people are obsessed with it. So we go, we get right in. We sat there for at least 25 minutes. No one gave us water, nothing. Meanwhile, I'm looking around. Everyone's having a quaint, cozy, Vermontidian breakfast. And I'm looking around and I'm watching lines of people up at the counter just get, they're just going through them. They're getting their orders. And I'm like, well, what am I missing? Uh, that was outside of Hudson, New York. Sorry, Vermont, it was in Hudson. Right? Sorry, yeah. Vermont, didn't mean it. And I'm sitting there thinking, Everyone wow, in Vermont is lovely. Everyone, yeah, Vermont's perfect. Everyone loves this. It's so cozy. It's so cute. And then I finally went up to the counter and I was like, hi, can we order? And they were like, oh, okay. And it's that thing where you're like, I don't know, you sat me, I'm at a table. Don't make me feel like an asshole for giving you a chance. And again, it's not about them being busy. You're allowed to be busy. I'm happy for you to be busy. But uh, it's the way that you handle it and the way that you create an experience for someone. I think that's life in general. Yeah. Uh, That being said, to answer the question originally, my favorite thing to make fun of, to know it's a terrible restaurant is like, no one's ever gone to an amazing restaurant where there was a guy standing outside asking you to come inside. Oh, like in Europe when they're like, they hold the menu. They're like, Senor, Senor, come in. Please, 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 come in. Yeah, no one's ever really. And then we went in and they killed it. Five and stars. It was the best MM store I've ever been to. <laughs> uh, Mad Cannon. My partner and I are opening a restaurant, deli and brewery concept in Boston. What's the best and worst advice you've been given when starting opening a restaurant? I mean, everyone has the same joke. Oh, yeah. In the business, which is uh, 
if you pay me $20,000, I'll tell you not to open a restaurant and I'll save you about $800,000. Yeah. It's the one, it, that and show business, probably the two worst businesses. Um, but, you know, the advice that I have is to be really patient and be really smart about your business plan. Really spend the time to focus on that part of it and to make sure that you understand the business side of it because you can make great food and you can be busy and you can still lose money. Um, so, you know, food cost, labor cost, you know, all, all the basic business school stuff that, you know, most of us, uh, loved avoiding when we got into the restaurant business because it's like a safe haven for misfits, but, uh, learn all that stuff, become focused on it because it will be very important. And that being said, try to create, uh, the way that I always kind of think about opening restaurants or writing books is, uh, Try to make something that you think should exist but doesn't. Mm. And if you really want it to exist and it doesn't, then you're filling a hole in the market. And either you have good taste and you're right or you don't <laughs> and you're not. Audrey Audrey.Holstead, when you travel with Eliza, do you like to go off on your own exploring adventures while Eliza's working or do you wait until she gets a chance to go with you? That being said, I hope Eliza gets to do some exploring while y'all are in a cool new area and isn't always slammed with work. Y'all are great. Uh, it's both. If it's both. Depends on what she's doing. If she's doing press or a film shoot all day or whatever it is, um, then I love having free time alone to go explore a city. Um, that being said, if she has a show and wants to eat dinner after, I'm not going to like go to dinner without her and then like <laughs> watch her eat like a sad salad. We're actually afterward. working on trying to sell a show about this now, but a big part of our relationship is getting, you know, like it's 10 o'clock, what's open, and us just going on a little food adventure together. We love our food adventures. And you go and you go get me food and you bring it back. Like when I was doing keto, you brought me all kinds of options. And I'll look at menus and I'll say, what should I eat? And he's like, here's what would be nice for you. And you help me because I don't know. I do my best. You do do your best. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. 
Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Susan Swizzle. What'd you say? Doo-doo. Doo-doo. Top tips for eating and cooking in ways that are environmentally sustainable? Uh, yeah, I mean, a general rule that we sort of try to live by, especially in home cooking with meat, is kind of the less and better model. So if you're eating higher quality meat, it is more expensive, and therefore you're going to eat it less. And by higher quality, I don't mean just like filet mignons, but... Uh, the source of the meat is of a better variety. Like, did it come from Susan the cow? Is she still with us? Susan. Susan. Um, so, yeah, like, there's this uh, amazing farm uh, uh, called Peds and Barnet in California that I love, and I buy their stuff to cook it at home. I'll even just buy stuff like I'll buy their lard or their fat pack and use that to cook other things in. Um, and it's incredible. It's great quality stuff. It's very expensive, but it's expensive compared to really low quality factory farm stuff. Absolutely. Megan underscore Kelch says, what's your go-to food to make eat when you get home drunk at 3 a.m.? We should tell them the story. Which one? Of Nanana Nana. Oh, that's not a drunk food. It's an all the time tasty time. That's, uh, that's mm. just a, a your want a desserty snacky thing at home and we'd and, we don't really keep sugar in the house. Like nothing. There's no candy or anything. And I don't really eat that much. He sweet doesn't stuff. like sugar, and it's we're calling it ice cream, but it's not. It's like a smoothie <laughs> that you make, and you tell me it's ice cream, but it's not. Yeah, it's basically um, like uh, a, a very in the hallway. Whatever. We're in a hotel. Uh, it's basically a very thick smoothie made of some form of like uh, yogurt or like kefir with a lot of fruit. Um, and like chia seeds and ginger and you really have to like move it around and shake it around to get it to blend because it's so thick and then I'll usually throw it in the freezer after for you know 20 minutes and uh, we call it na-na-na-na ice cream because there was some weird like Korean pop song you somehow had on like a playlist when we were driving or somewhere and we're pretty sure at one point that the song went na 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 ice cream and uh, <laughs> and that's why it's called the na 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 ice cream. And that's the legend. Um, that being said, the drunk food. Uh, I feel like you make pasta. Yeah, for sure. 
On my, 4th of July, you made a vat of pasta for everyone. Well, this is my go-to super easy pasta sauce um, that you can make for a crowd. I've made it for people like after their wedding even. Um, you can feed a lot of people with very few ingredients. And it's the uh, the Marcella Hazan. Is it Hazan or Hazan? I think it's Hazan. I certainly don't know. Never met her. What's going uh, on? It's this Marcella Hazan uh, tomato butter sauce that is kind of infamous in foodie circles. And basically the ratio is one can of tomatoes to one stick of butter to one onion. And you crush the tomatoes, pour them into a pot, put a stick of butter in there with some salt, cut an onion in half, peel it, and put it inside. And you just simmer it for like 40 minutes. And it is the best pasta sauce in the world, basically. 40 minutes. I'll be sleeping by then. <laughs> Not, Natty's German. Hi, what's your favorite part about being married to Eliza? Does everyone constantly saying how great she is ever get tiring? I assume it's mostly, harsh, mostly, mostly heartwarming, but do you ever want to say something like, yeah, she's great and I love her, but you all don't even know how impossible it is for me to have one inch of shelf space in the bathroom? Uh, uh, th- or anything else that drives you crazy no one's aware of. People don't come up to me and say that that often. Right. Uh, especially now, like, uh, I, you know, I'm not like sitting in the crowd surrounded by her fans, like fielding questions. He like does, he doesn't like to go out. If you're if you're at a show, he doesn't like to go out because he'll hear like it's Smokey Husky, and he's not. You're not a, an attention seeker. If I'm looking for your attention, uh, it'll be because I'm uh, hopefully like selling or promoting something like a like a book or whatever it is. I I'm not there. Just I don't like attention for the sake of attention. I like uh, if it's for a restaurant or something like that, then it's it's valuable. But uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, you know what? I don't think. I feel like the typical tropes for marriage. I think it's easy to fall into them. Like, oh, I guess he's sleeping on the couch tonight. But I get all the bathroom space because I have more things, and you have three things to your name. You have one sweater that I got you, uh, some aftershave, and a natural deodorant that I asked you to get. So I don't. You don't need the room. Um, yeah, the bathroom thing. Uh, I don't care about at all. Uh, There's very little that men actually care about. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And and I made room in the kitchen. That's all yours. That's all your stuff. The cookbooks are there. We each have our little areas. And other than that, no one cares. Yeah. I don't even go in the kitchen. I open the refrigerator sometimes and then there's this man that appears and he's like, what can I help you with? <laughs> like, I can't even go in my own kitchen. Yeah, I'm definitely not like dying to have an excuse to tell somebody why the person that they think is great is not as great as they think. Yeah, there you go. Uh, question for you. Let's get, let's get into the love stuff. Oh underscore hannah shorty hi eliza emily scott smoky husky i've been single for nearly four and a half years now 26 and have often on me using dating apps dating apps over this period i match with people when we talk but themes seem to things seem to fizzle out pretty quickly after about a week or so as you guys met over dating app do you have any advice to give to someone who feels like they've exasperated all avenues i'm not in a rush to be in a relationship and i've enjoyed this time on my own but now i'm thinking about moving out of my parents home it would be more feasible to do that with someone than solely on my own. Not true. But I'm struggling to really connect with anyone who doesn't just want sex or a casual fling. Not opposed to casual hookups, but that's just not who I am. Any help would be great. P.S. Love the podcast. Definitely helps with my commute. Home, across the pond, from the UK, directly to your ears. Uh, yeah, definitely move out if you want to not live with your parents anymore. Definitely but move don't out on your own. Have it be tied at all to being with somebody else. Yeah, uh, um, please. And if you're not connecting with them, then don't be with them. Like, keep waiting, keep looking. Uh, I was, there was a stretch of my being single where I was convinced that 
uh, not convinced, but I started to wonder if uh, maybe, you know, you get older and you know too much and mm-hmm. and that like falling in love is for young people. And I was sort of going, okay, you know, I'm, I guess I'm happy being alone. If the right person doesn't come along, maybe I'll, I'll be alone. And then I met Eliza and that was it. Sometimes you're alone though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not there all the time. Uh, that's very sweet. I also think please move out on your own first. Know what it's like to have your own space and rely on yourself and decide in what capacity you need someone. When we met each other, I had my own home, my own everything. And you know yourself a little bit better. If you move out with someone, then you break up and it's like, well, whose name's on the lease? And I don't know how they do it in the UK. Whose name's on the parchment? I don't know. So, and, and also I noticed that you're saying like, I'm okay with being alone. I'm enjoying the time. Women always have to qualify it. Like no one's ever allowed to be like, I want a boyfriend without saying like, but I'm loving my me time. You're allowed to love both. You're allowed to hold both ideas as sacred in your head. You're 24. I promise you, you're going to meet someone. Well, it's like people would ask you, it's like, do you want to be in a relationship? Like, do you want to get married ever? And it's like... Yeah, to the right person. You answer him. That's my I'm joke. So- Welcome to the rest of your <laughs> life, buddy. Yeah, so, you know, you set a high standard for yourself. And if I always described it as you want to meet somebody who you like being with more than you like being by yourself. Um and hopefully you like being by yourself um, because that's an important thing to like and it's how you grow as a person. But don't move out of your parents' house just to be with someone else. You'll never know how great it is to be on your own uh, or even just to have the experience. Maybe you hate it and then at least you know, but don't deny yourself that chance to grow. Uh, and don't deny yourself the chance to walk away from a date and pass out uh, naked eating food on your bed alone. It's the best if you don't choke indecisive underscore n underscore and creative what's the most important thing you believe your relationship has taught you just the one dear uh the most important thing a relationship has taught me uh i don't know that it's specifically taught me anything but it reaffirms more philosophical things that i believe in which is about trying to always grow as a person and be a better version of yourself uh every day that you can. And it is easier to do when you're with somebody who uh, you want to be better with and for. Um, but it uh, hopefully it, it it affirms the things that you believe deeply already and, and continues to grow and get better. Yeah. I'm not a very patient person. I try to be patient because you're very centered. And very mellow. But that being said, the longer I am married to you, the more I believe I'm becoming like a Korean War vet Republican grandpa. And as hippie as I can be, like as liberal as I am, there are times where I'm like, quit complaining. I don't want to hear it. Or there are times where you'd be like, let's talk about something. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. We're done here. And then the other day I opened a bottle cap in the doorway and I was shooting pool the other day, hitting all the pockets. So sometimes I really do feel very Texas around you. Yeah, and that's part's great. No, that's very sweet of you, sweet man. The fun parts, the the bad parts are not, not as good. Whoa, what are bad parts? Like the Texas here, there's certain political things we've gotten into that are... Uh, for the record of everyone, I vote Democrat and I'm extremely liberal. But then sometimes I'll say stuff and he doesn't agree. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm not a bad person. Just put him on a bus. No. <laughs> Kayla, Carolee, Leon. Where's the best street food you've ever had and why? Fucker. Uh, she didn't say fucker. 
I mean, we had some good stuff in Thailand, if I remember correctly. It was a little blurry, but I think we had some... It was very blurry. You do remember correctly. Uh, What's the difference between street food versus, like... I think in certain countries, street food is a much more vague category because, like, the restaurants are outside in the first place. Oh, I see. I think of more like a vendor. Like, I think of a a hawker stalls as street food. And I think any, like, the carts in Thailand, like, any of those outdoor markets, I think of those as street food. Yeah, that's fair. If you're eating it on the street. I vote anything Asian, like... All Southeast Asian, like Malaysia, had really cool street food. Uh, yeah, for sure. But I, uh, you know what? You I, like Tokyo. But like, do those count as street food? Nuh-uh. Whereas, no. like, you know what? Like, probably Thailand. Mexico has amazing street food. There you go. I've eaten unbelievably great, like tortas and burritos and tamales and tacos. Even just in Tijuana, which is a it's where you had your bachelor party. Deeply underrated. Uh, uh, food city in in the world. Um, I think it gets like represented as like this like San Diego like hooker festival where you'd like go over the border and like get the clap and <laughs> <laughs> the clap and then I, I sail home to my wife. It's 1946. <laughs> but uh, the food in Tijuana was was awesome. Um, that's good. That's where you, you went there. You had a nice time. You tell me. Been a few times. You have it a few times. Funny hippie. Mm, that's is my fear of sending food back unnecessary. I'm typically easy to please, but there have been times where the food was lukewarm or just bad, or I refuse to complain because I'm so scared they're going to do something to my food. Uh, Not going to do something to your food. You won't know if they do. So who cares? And also, like that only happens in really shitty restaurants. So I think you should be more afraid of going to shitty restaurants than going to restaurants that are going to punish you for sending food Somebody back. Somebody spits in your soup, you'll never know. Somebody's probably already spit in your soup and you're still able to send me this question. So I think you're okay. Like, thank God it's only spit. Oh my God. What are you talking about? Jizz? Is that what you're talking about? Winking at me? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, you're trying to keep keep it clean. Keep, keep it precise. It precise. <laughs> Hank Vanigan. Eliza, great podcast. Took a date to your show in Windsor, Canada. We loved it. Question for you, Smokey Husky. I'm a decent cook, and I love to cook for my woman friend. <laughs> my woman friend. We're both 54, so girlfriend doesn't really fit. Aww. This voice you were doing did not make sense. I didn't realize he was 54 <laughs> when I said it. What would be your easier-to-make yet impressive meal? Thanks, Hank. Um, Easier-to-make yet impressive. I mean... I think if you're ever trying to impress somebody with a meal, you should definitely have cooked it before you cook it for them. It'll take pressure off you, which will make you better at it. Um, you know, my staple stuff a lot of time is I grew up cooking Italian foods. So that's very much my my comfort food stuff. And, you know, if you're having somebody over and cooking for them, you want to pick something that you can do as much of it in, as, in advance as you can. So, like, if they like eating, you know, like a nice bolognese, like you want to be able to make – you can make that – three days in advance if you want to. Slow cook it for a long time, and by the time they get there, you've already made salad dressing and a side salad. All you have to do is boil pasta, and you're, like, ready to go. That's so a, yeah. that's kind of my, my, my big key. Do something you've done before and do something that requires very little effort by the time they come over so you can just be drinking wine and getting ready to... Can I be honest, though? Like, you are a chef and you are a good cook, and it wasn't something that I was looking for or expected, like, in a partner. I think... Just the the act of someone wanting to cook for another person is very sweet. And you'd have to be a monster to be like, he cooked me pasta that was underdone and like I couldn't fuck him. Like that's such a sweet thing, especially for a man to want to cook for a woman. I, I just, to me, it really is more about the act. That being said, when you cook something that isn't good, 
and you get upset, like the night is over. <laughs> like I have to go find him in a corner and talk him down. And I'm like, give me the razor. I've gotten better at it. Uh-huh. Cooking, I mean, not messing up. No. I'm like, are you I've crying? <laughs> um, but that, yeah. That's my story, one of my favorite stories. When we first started dating. <laughs> because you're so, such like an evolved hippie and like you can be like a masculine, like we have to redefine what manly is. Like you're a manly dude and you're very comfortable with yourself. And I've never heard you make, this is just, just saying, I've never heard you make one racist joke. I've never heard you make a gay joke. Like you are like this thoroughbred California liberal, like solid Oak, like good person with like an unshakable moral compass. Like you don't compromise on your ethics or your morals and anything you say, you'd be happy if anyone else heard it. Like you don't say things that are like secretly shitty and you're so comfortable with who you are. And on like, it's like a little bit sooner than I would have liked, but it was like the fifth date and you were telling me how much you liked me and you teared up. And I being like, a frat boy stuck in a feminist body. I was like, are you crying? Expecting you to be like, no, or like, I'm fine. And you just said what? Uh, I said, I'm an emotional man. And you just knew who you were. I'm an emotional man. And I thought that was, and the fact that I was like, okay with that, I was like, yeah, this works. Yeah, it was that's just real masculinity. It is, men, when you own who you are and women too, your emotion, how you're feeling. Also, tough guys are emotional too. They just shove it down. They're just shooting up schools. <laughs> wow, brutal. Hide it. Hide it. Hide it until it becomes some sort of calcified stone and then pee it out through your urethra while you go under local anesthesia. <laughs> so it's important to express when Blanche passed away, everyone's like, just let it out. I was like, I don't know what about me you think wouldn't allow myself to feel all my emotions. I have no problem crying in public. I have no problem saying how I feel. You don't have to be brash about it, but you can just know that your feelings are valid. And we all process stuff differently. I it, I don't think it like Blanche really hit me until like we got home weeks yeah. later. I. I thought I was doing well and it didn't hit me as hard. And then we were in Japan. Later, we come back to LA and you're fine. And I'm like struggling. I was in bed for days just crying in Japan. And, and Smokey was just like off. He's going to go meet people. Like, and I, I was, was eating a lot of ramen. You were eating a lot. You were eating feelings. We got back to LA and I was like, well, it was a blessing. Life is full circle. And that's when it hit you. She was a small woman with a meaty butt. Small but dense. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, "Mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. 
may whore. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Go to bolinbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set plus free shipping. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Susie, PDX. Hi, gang. You make my Wednesday commute so much more fun. Question for the Smoky Husky Hottie. I have a favorite restaurant that has a chef's counter that overlooks part of the kitchen. They often serve the counter taste of some of the goodies on the menu. I always sit there and I love the guys who work the counter. Feed me and you might as well have proposed. Do I need to tip extra for this? I haven't yet. I'm a 20% default kind of person, but am I doing a faux pas? I want to fix that ASAP. Thank you. No, you're fine. Okay. Great. <laughs> also, if they pool their tips, it's fine. Uh, yeah, also, like, that's part of the experience of what they're creating. Yeah, you're giving up sitting uh, at a chair with a back <laughs> so you can sit hunched over the chef's counter and smell like oven smoke. So you don't have to pay extra. I always prefer eating at the counter or at the bar. I like the interactive experience. Yeah. It's also great for dates. I love, uh, back when I used to go on a lot of first dates, um, sitting at the bar with somebody, like having dinner at the bar versus at a table. A table always feels like a job interview at the bar, like your knees are touching, you're sharing plates. It's more romantic. It's more fun. Ooh, knee touching. Mm. Oh, touch those caps. <laughs> Lindsay underscore Runyon. Runyon Bunyan. Eliza and Smokey Husky. Did either of you have any wedding day fears, i.e. that it would be boring or the food would be bad or people wouldn't show? I'm getting married in three weeks. Well, this episode won't come out in time. And I have constant anxiety that something will go terribly wrong. Am I alone in this one? Any tips on getting through the wedding day planning crunch time? Well, yes. First of all, watch my special Unveiled on Netflix. Second of all. Uh, that's great advice. Um, any wedding day fears? You knew the food would be great because it was you helped with it. Uh, you know, well, I also like put one of the best chefs in the world in charge of the food, so that definitely helps. Shout um, out to Jeremy Fox. Check out his restaurant, Runyon, Runyon? Rustic Canyon. He does not typically do weddings, by the way. That was a... Uh, you can still go to Rustic Canyon and get his book on vegetables that Smokey Husky wrote. Yes, definitely go to Rustic Canyon and Birdie G's in Santa Monica. He's amazing. Um, I just mean to don't like ask him to cook for your wedding. Um, yeah, I, you know... It's a funny thing. Like you want those things to all go well and everyone to have a good time. Um, and you want to have a memorable wedding. But at the end of the day, like 
you know, I always talked about this when uh, I asked Eliza to marry me. I did it because I wanted to be married to her, not because I wanted to have a wedding. And all of a sudden I realized there's so much stuff we have to do now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, all I wanted was, my only goal was that by the end of the wedding we were married. And uh, we barely pulled it off. <laughs> goal achieved. <laughs> barely. Squarely. You barely made it down the aisle. Oh, not I was, out of a not out of like a uh, like a runaway bride scenario, but out of like a your legs didn't work scenario. It was just so surreal. I was crying. It hit me so hard. I was so relieved that you were so emotional about it because I was worried you'd be like, "All right, we'll get this thing done. We'll get out of here. We'll get back on the road. Let's get you jerked off and let's get home." <laughs> Mariana Clary Anko, question for you both. Any tips on navigating, helping, supporting, understanding a creative artist, self-employed spouse? I could, I could start. I could say this. I know how important it is to be creatively fulfilled. And so I always, because I am an artist, I want that for you as well because you do something creative. If you did something with accounting, I'd be like, well, whatever you got to do. But, creative accounting. Yeah, but like taking gigs or not taking gigs, you know, of course you need to make money and be an active participant in our marriage and society, but... It's important for me that you be happy and fulfilled. Otherwise, you die as a person. Yeah, and it's you support in the various ways that you can. Um, and so, you know, the, supporting each other emotionally, sometimes it'll be financially, sometimes whatever it is in that your relationship requires. And uh, yeah, I think it's important to do those things as long as you both are open and communicating about what the deal is. And uh, as long as you're on the same page, then that's great. I'm a big believer in, in communicating a lot and, and talking. We talk a lot. Yeah, I always say that I'm, uh, I will tell you everything that I'm feeling as long as I'm aware of it, which is uh, I'm not as good at. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people, it's a, you have different things you're good at or bad at. And sometimes you, uh, some people are not the best at registering their emotions at the time. Eliza knows immediately how she feels about things. Sometimes, it <laughs> and, takes and you me will a, too. Sometimes it takes me a couple hours. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll just look at him. I'll go, "What's wrong?" He's like, "Nothing." I'm like, "I can feel it. What's going on?" And like 20 minutes later, he'll be like, "Yeah, I was just in a bad mood about a bad dream." This I can feel your energy. I'll be like, "What's happening here?" Yeah, but that's okay. And uh, I had to learn that she is right about it most of the time, and I need to not just assume that uh, that just because I'm not aware of it that I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I feel like there's always that thing in relationships where the girl's like, "What's wrong?" and the guy's like, "Nothing." In this case, I'm like, "No, no, something's wrong. You're gonna tell me what it is as soon as you figure it out." <laughs> so I know. Ekt nineteen. Hey, Smokey Husky and Eliza, good questions. What were your first impressions of each other? So we'll start with that. Didn't we do this one last time? No. Mine was hot. That was different. Okay, fine. That's very sweet. I remember I thought you had pretty blue eyes, which everybody thinks. And I remember thinking you were very loud in the movie theater. But, but I thought was it was cute. Due to overexcitement. I knew it. I could tell it. Does Eliza use the same sound effects from her stand-up and conversation at home? Uh, No. I don't make a lot of noises. Lots of noises, but they're not the same ones that are in your. Yeah, I don't I like, like run those bits. Are, yeah, you have like. I definitely have this voice. Yeah. Cute. Rhythmic fucking initiated. <laughs> yeah, I think it's usually more the other way around. She'll do a voice at home and it'll end up in her act. It's yeah. Like, I think that's that's more accurate. We have voices. You get, show, you get shy. Like, you won't do it right now. Uh, I'll, what do you want? 
crackers in there. Oh. <laughs> Keep it precise. We don't have much, just grits. Big camp. I feel like I've been doing voices on this podcast already, and <laughs> I don't think either of us realized it, which is terrifying. Being Jewish is a huge part of Eliza's identity, is it? <laughs> what would you say is an equally huge part of your identity, Smokey Husky? Uh, and by identity, we mean body. And by huge, please specify your penis. <laughs> My mom's listening. It's, a, it's very thick and very short. <laughs> it's eight inches wide. <laughs> Blow um, out the whole region. Big part of my identity. Um, I mean, I guess I, I associate a lot with kind of, uh, you know, I, I, my mom was like a, you know, uh, upstate New York raised by, you know, an Italian mother. And my dad was like a, uh, a Westchester Jew who sort of raised me kind of on the hippie sides that I, you know, so I, I think that like California hippie mixed with like, that Italian family thing where you uh, basically pretend that eating a lot of spaghetti counts as, as, a, as an identity. And those two <laughs> things combined, I think, are, are pretty accurate for me. Um, when we went to the mountain to visit your brother, you were a different man. You're a nature man. I, yeah, I love it. And we call him at home. Noah calls himself health, secret health man. I would happily uh, live in a cabin in the woods with a nice smokestack. And magically still get to go to the city very conveniently whenever we want to. Oh, cool. And uh, I'll be off with my new husband. <laughs> oh, you hated it. I live in You the like thing. it out there, too. I like it out there, too. So what? I'm a nature girl. You're getting more like me. It's time goes by. No, uh, your, your dad and stepmom have the same haircut. <laughs> like you and I are slowly melding. Uh, your nose is not that far off from what my nose was. So if we have a baby, it had better be great at sports or very tall. Because no girl should have that nose. Or a guy. No. Okay. K24 Baker. I'm having my birthday dinner at Bloodsoe's. What should we order? Also, I'm the chef at Kitchen 24. We'd love to have you both in. Keep being awesome. You guys are rad. Uh, shout out to Kitchen 24. I used to live over by the one that's on Vine. So a little bit closer. Uh, before Postmates was a thing. So maybe it was Grubhub and I would get my food delivered. And they have, I think it's called the Melrose Salad. I walked or the, past- Oh, it's- the Kawanga Chop, and I used to get it all the time. Tasty times. I frequently uh, walk past that uh, on my way to the farmer's market. Oh, yeah, it's right there. Hollywood Farmer's Market. What do we say? Tasty times. It's lovely. Call for tasty measures. Um, uh, if you're going with a big enough group, just get the whole menu. I mean, that's... They do like a big sample platter. Yeah, it's not that big of a menu. It's barbecue, et cetera. Um, but, uh, get the hot links. Yeah, the Ooh. hot link is becoming like one of my favorite things there. The brisket is uh, is great. I... I don't eat there that much anymore because uh, you don't eat there at all. That's true. Because you make it. The rib tips, everything's great. Everything's really great, and they've got a key lime pie that'll that'll rock your clock. You know, rock your clock. All right, let's look at this one. Oy. Ken Z Q twenty one. Growing up, I was a picky eater, and I had a tough relationship with veggies. Since learning. A decent amount of culinary skills, I have begun to enjoy vegetables when prepared properly. What are some good veggie-forward dishes, techniques that will help expand my love of vegetables? Uh, there's, God, there's so many. I'm working on something right now all about that, but it's uh, a lot to dig into. But I, um, veggie-forward dishes, uh, I mean, I love making soups. Like, I grew up making a lot of, like, minestrone soup, so, like, going to a farmer's market and just buying up tons of delicious looking produce and then just making it all up into a really nice soup is a great thing. Um, Eggplant. Eggplant and mushrooms to me are very meaty. You could have that instead of steak 
tasty times. Yeah. The mushrooms are great because they take on any seasoning. And and eggplant's great because put some miso paste on it. Yeah, one of my little go-to mushroom preparations that Eliza loves, I'll put it in like a like a like a legume bowl. Oh, this is a horrible sounding when I say it that say way. Say it again. A legume bowl. Legume bowl. Um, or uh, on like on a rice bowl, something like that, or just as a little snack is buying uh, mushrooms and like sautéing them in a mixture of like basically half butter and half soy sauce or tamari. And I'll even throw a little rosemary in there and uh, maybe a garlic clove and finish it with lemon. But in general, the half butter, half soy sauce thing is one of like the great secret uh, combinations that's incredibly easy to do and makes mushrooms taste great. Also, you can get On Vegetables, the book that he wrote for Jeremy Fox, beautiful pictures, and they're all vegetable-forward dishes, as was our wedding. (laughs) I feel like we've done like a bunch of sponsored ads for On Vegetables over the course of these two podcasts. And yet, no more money in my pocket. (laughs) Ariana Danielle, I was in a two-year-long relationship with someone I thought I was going to marry. We had a previous history, and he was my best friend. I graduated college, moved temporarily to Alaska to work while he went uh, to one of the Carolinas to do an internship. This was the third summer. We did long distance, and we were pros. Homeboy emailed me his breakup after two weeks of ghosting. Ugh. After the email, he promised to explain himself and never called, yet had the balls to message me on my birthday two weeks later. It's now been over a year, and I'm much better personally. My experience with men in the last year have been terrible. I want to get back into dating, but part of me is just terrified to be that open again. How did you get back into the dating pool after a breakup? What advice do you have for someone looking for their person? Uh, you can get back out there without being too open. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Ooh, men love a mysterious closed-off girl. And, you know, let them earn it or, you know, feel it out. I think that, uh, you know, men are terrifying, disgusting people on the whole. And so if uh, you want to make sure that they're worth your time, then uh, you deserve to do that. Also, like, you're super young and he just sounds like a big P. Big P. You know, boys get scared and he was probably ashamed of the way that he did it. I've had this happen before where guys are like, look, I was just embarrassed of my behavior and it was your birthday. So he's like, I guess I'll reach out that there's an opening. He's probably just embarrassed and ashamed and he doesn't know how to process it. And five years later when you're married and he accidentally has three kids, he'll Facebook you and be like, yeah, I was immature, but I found the Lord. You got to let it go, especially when you're younger. Like you'll meet someone else. It'll be fine. That guy was just immature. That's it. Nothing wrong. Nothing to think about. Or just shitty. He could be. Or he could he's be just both. shitty. Yeah, but you don't don't let one ruin the bunch. You have to make a decision when someone hurts you or breaks your heart to not make other, not pay it forward. Because there's a guy out there who just want to take you on a nice date, make you a nice dinner, wrap you up in plastic, put you in the trunk of the car, and <laughs> and not punish yourself for somebody else's mistake. Yeah, fuck that dude, Trundle Troll. A question for Smokey Husky. It's been mentioned that you tend to be on the quiet side. Any tips for being a quiet alpha? <laughs> uh, Are you an alpha? I mean, I think that there's categories of it. Like, it depends on what we're doing. Like, yeah. this thing where it's like you have to be an alpha even if you don't give a shit about what you're talking <laughs> about. It's like, don't even bother. Like, you know, I, I, I don't care about certain people opinions of me i don't care if people think i am the best person in the room at something i know that i am not a great basketball player i enjoy playing it not that good at it and i know it now too (laughs) um but uh you know i can probably fucking smoke a whole pig better than than that basketball player. whoa shots fired uh yeah i think uh if you're quiet because you're afraid that's different if you're quiet because you don't give a shit, that's like 
that's some real alpha is like the alpha of yourself. Aww. That sounds like the worst book I could possibly alpha. write. <laughs> the alpha of yourself, self-published um, in my garage. Yeah, I think quiet confidence and earned confidence are valuable things. Uh, pretend confidence about something that you're not qualified to be confident about uh, is oftentimes a waste of my time and I don't want to be around it, so I'm not going to talk to you. There not you go. you, you, but the theoretical No, no, we're talking to you, trundle troll. <laughs> Jennifer McKay, my husband and I recently got married in August. Our wedding was everything we had dreamt of and more. We had a little... We had a, we had been a little down since the wedding. We had two-year engagement, excitedly anticipated our wedding during that time, planning carefully to ensure it was personal and fun. Now we feel is that we don't have much to look forward to. We are unsure about bringing kids in the world. Did you and Smokey Husky experience similar feelings after your wedding? No. Uh, no, Eliza had too much stuff going on. Eliza uh, had an almost nervous breakdown on the honeymoon and we had to come home. <laughs> yeah, and then I was, yeah, uh, you know, I think you still need to both have things that you're working toward or, or, or find peace in whatever it is that you're doing. Um, you know, the, your wedding day can't define your marriage because uh, that will hopefully have been a long time ago soon and you just got to keep uh, living Yeah, but life. it's like when you have a part, it's like this big buildup and then it's over and you're like, and now what? And now what is what marriage is? I guess it's the rest of your life. It's also, I... Maybe I'm a weirdo, but I always looked forward more to the being married part than the getting married part, because uh, that's yeah. what I wanted. When I, and maybe that's a male versus female thing, where yeah. you know uh, I never, you know, guys typically don't envision their wedding day. Um, I wanted to be married to Eliza, and I I got to do that, and that's. That's the part that uh, that I care about. Piggybacking off that, Eli Wright three one nine says, "I'm a Southerner who now lives in the Pacific Northwest. I'm always friends, and I always disagree on how to pronounce caramel. I would love to hear your thoughts, Smokey Husky. Is it caramel or caramel? Uh, I mean, I can tell you what I say. I don't really do it. Caramel. Caramel. Yeah, caramel is weird, Carmel but Carmel is a right, place. Is a place. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, if you guys are spending that much time disagreeing about it, uh, you know, that just sounds boring to me. Let's do a deeply personal one, then we'll do some rapid fire, Ooh. and then we'll do a trap of the crap. Cha-cha, Chelsea 8. Yes, I've been waiting for this episode to happen for a while. The question is for either or both of you. My boyfriend and I recently moved into a house together. We've been together two and a half years and finally decided to take the step into home ownership. Since my boyfriend did most of the legwork and paperwork to get us the house, it's currently in his name until we get married. The problem is his family often insists on correcting me that it is not in fact our house, but his house. My boyfriend and I are both paying our share of the mortgage and bills, but it feels like his family, including extended family, only think of me as a freeloader living in his house. Mind you, my family has said nothing but supportive things about whatever it is we do and have been, turning the page, thrilled at our new step toward home ownership. Do I let it go? Do I confront his family? Or is this something my boyfriend has to address? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that the issue at the core oh, of this is right. not uh, the mortgage, but it's the relationship with the family. So I think you need to address that in whatever way uh, will lead to you guys having the best relationship. Yeah. I mean, also, you've been, I don't know your situation, but you've been dating for that long and you just moved into a house together. I wouldn't have done it without an engagement ring. Uh, but someone's name's got to be on the lease, or I guess not a lease, on the papers. And I guess, I don't know if you can do it with the two of you if you're not legally bound. But it does sound like he needs to say like, hey, 
And by the way, like that's that's sticky because you are contributing to his property. If you guys break up, like it's his, and I don't know what kind of claim you have. Also, I mean, I don't know. That's to me is neither here nor there. You guys can have whatever <laughs> financial arrangement you want. To me, the issue is, uh, it sounds like his family, based Doesn't on like the you. information that you're giving me, is is treating you like shit. Um, and, uh, and I mean, what do we know? You may have done something horrible too. You may have done something horrible too. Us. You but, also, uh, yeah, I think the issue is the is the relationship with his family, and that's just their way of of. Of getting, or they uh, may not it. like you. I, it could be that, like yeah. it could be a, you know, like also, like how is he representing you to them? And is it really half the mortgage? Is it just a little bit? Is it utilities? Is it actually freeloading? But regardless, if he loves you, he needs to stand up and and uh, have them come correct and put the fear of God and have it come to Jesus. It's now time for a segment I just invented. It's called oh, what's this one? Um. No, I, I lied. We're going to do rapid fire. Pew, pew, pew. Ilan Ocasanders. Ilhana. Welcome back to rapid fire in which I slowly read someone's Instagram handle. Ilhana Ocasio-Sanders. Best piece of joint in LA? Go. Uh, I actually have no idea. I've had this debate with my friends a bunch. Uh, oh, you know what? I'll say this. Uh, Prime Pizza. It's uh, the place that I opened. But uh, Yeah. That's but okay. that's that's a bullshit answer because it's, I mean, it's great. It's pretty it's great. Very, very, very. It's the best New York style pizza in LA. But, um. Best pizza's uh, complicated. Hookup guy. Best way to make a grilled cheese sandwich? Uh, slow and low. Rachel McCuskey. What is the best? Oh, uh, mayonnaise on the outside of the bread. Lower smoke point. More golden brown. And then just take your time with it. Slow and low. Cover it. Let it get nice and crispy. Uh, don't burn it up too much. <laughs> and in two hours, you should have half of a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> oh, I started one before I left on this trip. I'll be ready for it when we get home. <laughs> Rachel McCuskey. What's the best way to make a simple steak without a grill? Love you, Eliza. Uh, do it, uh, do it in a pan, a nice cast iron skillet, get it, uh, nice and hot. Um, a good trick is, um, rather than, uh, oiling the whole pan, uh, just baste the outside of the steak with the oil and then, um, keep it super hot and then, uh, flip it constantly. I think people do the whole like flip it once thing, which I think is actually incorrect. So what ends up happening is you get way larger of a gray band on your steak. If you keep flipping it, it allows each side to rest. You get a nice crust on both sides. Then at the end, baste it with a little butter, maybe throw some herbs in there. And times. keep it precise. Um, Mace Dot Reschner, what's your favorite go-to vegetarian dish? Quick. Uh, spaghetti and tomato sauce. Sam Dean, Sam Dean, what the heck do you do with the beets to make them tasty? Uh, I like beets, um, kind of as you gotta like that dirt flavor. Simply roasted. Um, turn that light on. Smack it. Yeah. Uh, sorry guys, we're gonna turn this light on. Oh, that didn't do anything. All right, right. we'll sit in the dark. Go on. Um, yeah, I I like a roasted beet and then let it kind of. Uh, chill down, peel the skin off. You can toss it a little like uh, vinegar and then have a nice salad with it. What, Katie the Fox, what's your knife brand of choice? Uh, I'm not like a big, like crazy knife knowledge guy. I use Wusthof knives for the most part. I, I kind of like a multi-purpose workhorse knife. I like something that um, is sharp and is strong enough that you can sort of do some good sort of fine chopping if you need to, but you can also like cut through the backbone of a chicken if you need to as well. Like versus, versus like those super thin, delicate Japanese knives which are great for like 
you know, very precise cutting, but um, precise. Uh, you can chip if you try to go through bones and things like that. Uh, didn't I get you a knife that said Smoky Husky? Give me two knives. Engraved on it. Well, the other one is a whole long story. Yes. But I got you one that said Smoky Husky engraved on it. You did. When I met you, it, it was weird because I had it ready to go on the first date. I was like, you will be this movie. Yeah, you had the nickname ready before you met me. It's weird. Mem, Paul X, 7-Eleven. Best suggestion for Thanksgiving side dish that doesn't call for butter or cream? I'm scouring magazines for new ideas, but dairy all seems to be key, and I don't want to eat meat and dairy, and no one is giving up turkey. Um, I will post the beacon date soon. It'll be in the spring. Let's see. Without dairy, I had one I was going to tell you, then you said without dairy. I got one. Yeah, cream spinach, but use cashew cream. I bought one from Erewhon. It was eight thousand dollars, and it was tasty. That's enough with the cashew cream and the fake replacement Whoa. things. And no, you just end up like making a worse version of another dish because you tasty. don't want to use the thing that's supposed to go into it. Tasty for me. Um, one of the things that I think is Sorry, uh, uh, yeah, that has dairy in it too. Um, man, I wish I'd been prepped. How about for like this a question. roasted uh, like turnips or like roasted carrots? Tasty. Yeah, you don't like roasted carrots that much. I like them. Um, uh, one thing that I like to do a lot is um, if you buy uh, a mandolin, or as my brother calls it, a Japanese finger slicer, um, <laughs> and you get things like uh, like acorn squash and potatoes um, and like sort of root vegetable things like that and slice them all like super-duper paper thin, you can basically layer them almost like a casserole dish with olive oil and uh, and like thinly sliced garlic and salt. And if you have like some smoked chilies and things like that, I'll even steam some uh, Swiss chard or microwave it and layer that in between. And you kind of get this uh, very nice kind of flavorful, almost like a like a, a dairy-free uh, gratin or, or gratin, as my mom always called it. That being said, if you put cream and cheese into it, it's extra good. Extra But tasty. you can do it with, you know, olive oil, uh, smoked chilies and garlic are great because they smoked things bring a lot of nice flavor into stuff. I love um, smoked things. Or uh, ooh, another one uh, is making like a like a tomatillo mashed potato, and that way, or like a or like poblano chili mashed potato, and you can do it without using dairy. You can use like oils and kind of juicier uh, things like tomatillos. So you get a lot of the flavor and acidity into it, so it's super bright and herby without uh, having to use uh, butter. Tasty times. Go for tasty measures. Nicolia, a whole lot of pineapple on pizza. Yay or nay? I hate this question. Uh, I don't get why this is such a big thing. Uh, <laughs> if you like it, then great. I've, uh, I would never order a whole pizza with it because it, uh, it's, it's a lot. But uh, yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have a slice of a Hawaiian pizza. Lauren Celeste Legger, I took your advice and bought truffle salt. Now, what do I put it on? Besides pasta and pizza and mushrooms. Uh, great one. This is from a uh, Nancy Silverton recipe. Uh, she uh, has many successful restaurants in the Moza Empire. But make a uh, truffle butter, which has been a really uh, real divisive ruined phrase through uh, through hip hoppery. Um, <laughs> basically, uh, truffle salt and butter make a truffle salt butter compound, and then uh, let it kind of be room temperature. And then butter breadsticks and wrap it in truffle in sorry in uh, prosciutto and it's a great little thing to put out at parties and it is exquisite. It's very expensive. Um, that being said, truffle butter again. Too bad about the name now. Thanks a lot, um, Nicki Minaj. Uh, but great for like you know scrambled eggs, things like that, um, bread. Uh, but yeah, those are those are big ones. Do you know what truffle butter is? Oh, uh, popcorn. Oh yes, truffle. You know what truffle butter is in hip hop? Do you know what it actually is? 
Uh, I would like to hear you describe it. Do you know? I would like you to tell me in great detail. Do you know? I thought I knew. Tell is it. Tell is it. If I'm wrong, it's going to be a really gross podcast. If you're this trepidatious about it, you're probably right. Uh, I guess I don't know the order of events, but I thought it had to do with uh, uh, like semen dripping down into the butthole. Yep. All right. And then you blow bubbles in it. Oh, I didn't know that part. No, you don't blow bubbles in it. Uh, um, I have this. Okay. So that those are good. But. I guess it could start in the asshole and then dribble out too. Do you guys want to hear something horrible? <laughs> this is probably, but it's really funny. Uh, when we, we started were, having. <laughs> <laughs> we were driving on Halloween and we had watched that Michael Jackson documentary uh, about. <laughs> should I not? Is this going to ruin your reputation? No. I mean. It's horrible, and like obviously people still play his music uh, and what he did to those kids. But the part where it's like I was gonna say that, like people are like, can you still listen to Michael Jackson's music? I think totally. at the very least we should agree that we can't listen to Pyt anymore. We definitely not listen to Pyt anymore. Um, but there's that part. You know what? I don't know. Well, I've already come this far because people are like, what is it? Uh, when it's like, cause that's his thriller. When we're driving and Smokey just goes, expose your asshole. <laughs> Get on all fours. Well, the first we just said, that, then we, yeah, we kept going. But uh, yeah, he uh, raped a bunch of kids and uh, nobody cares. That documentary was very explicit. It, it felt worse for the people that happened to him, sure. Uh, I hope it wasn't, but yeah, I'm sure it was. It's time for Top of the Cob. Now that we've made a bunch of child molestation now jokes, made a bunch of asshole let's jokes. go to the let's go to our bottom of the cob. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite, top of the cob. So my top of the cob is this. Um, I did have about how easy eating vegetarian has been, um, but I have a a thing where I pick at my feet. I pick up my toe. I like to peel my toenails off. It's been my top of the cob before. Sometimes I pick at them so much and I kind of just go at them and don't even realize it. Like Blanche used to cram her dew and she would just compulsively lick her paws and nibble. And I don't think she knew she was doing it. And the other day I was picking at my big toe as I do, just going at it. And Smokey Husky was like, hey, what are you doing? And he went and got a boot that I had, like a pair of boots and he put a boot on my foot. And he was like, stop picking at your foot. Put a boot on it. He put a boot on it. You put a boot on me. And so I couldn't get at my foot. I just picked at the other one. But you went and put a boot on my foot so I wouldn't get to it. And that was an act of love. That it was, was, it was much deserved. Thank you. Now, what's your top of the cup? Uh, I did not prepare for this, but uh, I will, keeping in line with what I'd been talking about before, which is... Uh, assholes. Assholes. Uh, the previous part, we were talking about local uh, Vermintonian things. And, uh, and I, I just... I, I love a locally made uh, tart, crisp apple cider, like a like a nice boozy, like a hard cider. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like not those super sweet ones, but they're just sort of crisp and fall tasting and refreshing. I had just gone on a, a record setting bike ride. <laughs> nope, this is, he went on a bike ride with one other person. And he comes back, he's like, oh, he's like, did you hear any scuttlebutt about my record? And I was like, oh my God, I'm married to a 65-year-old white dude. Nobody, there's no record. I was told that it was... Uh, the fastest bike ride that Twin Farms had ever seen. <laughs> you were wearing my sweatshirt, a, by the way. It was a woman's small sweatshirt. <laughs> my husband was my champion. My fingers were frozen solid. It was very cold. You out. asked me for clothes, um, and that's all I had to give you. But uh, to do, I did that, and then like... 
took a hot shower and drank a cold, crisp, boozy Vermont cider, and it was fantastic. And then I passed out for like 45 minutes. You passed out so hard that I left the room because I was like, <laughs> if he dies, I don't want to be in here. My bottom of the cob is SeaWorld. You- oh, I have a second top of the cob. Oh, okay. Wood-burning fireplaces. They just make me so happy. Yeah. I, uh, so many fireplaces, especially in LA, are like electric ones or they're gas, I guess like gas ones. And it's like a bunch of rocks. Or it's just a DVD of a fire. Yeah, it's a Netflix fireplace. Hey, I had a fireplace that was rocks. And that's and it's the thing. And it's I'm not saying that those hey. are horrible. It's not yeah. my bottom of the cob. I'm just saying that... I just like it's not my bottom of the cob or anything. <laughs> but I I love making a fire in a fireplace. The smell I could watch it burn. Uh, I just like stared at it all night and like didn't fall asleep for forty five minutes. I was watching a fire murder. burn. Okay, my bottom of the cob is Sea World. Orca whales can swim something like eighty miles a day, and they just float in their tanks and they're unhappy. And I understand a zoo having like a precious rhino in captivity, so no one poaches it, but. Having these dolphins and these, I understand about like buy kill, and I understand that there are poachers out there, but like having these animals in captivity for this selfish thing so your gross kid can come and watch like a seal. They don't belong in that kind of captivity. The tank is not big enough and they are depressed. Orcas don't need to be captured like that. And uh, you are contributing to that by going to SeaWorld. So it is selfish and it is a bad choice. And now that you have the information, just know that you're doing bad things. All the audio stuff too, like dolphins and all that stuff. All the sonar, yeah, reverberating off the off the tanks, and it hurts them. And big crowds yelling around them. Imagine if you stuck your head in a metal box and you just screamed all day, and you had to listen to your own screams. And you're like, "Where's my mother?" And she's like, "I'm right here," but she was never right behind you. Anyways, that's my bottom of the cob. What's your bottom of the cob? Um, again, didn't prepare this, but my bottom of the cob is. I definitely told you to do it. You did, but there's two parts now. Um, my bottom of the cob is um, some of you will know what I'm talking about. When you like, so buying a ticket to a sporting event, like a basketball mm-hmm. game, and it's like a big thing, and it's cost a bunch of money, and you go because it's just expensive, and there's parking and food and all this stuff, and it's like whatever the amount of money you spend on this ticket, and then you go to the game, especially if it's like your team isn't the home team, and then you like lose mm-hmm. in a humiliating fashion, or even at all, and you're just your like- Your face is painted. <laughs> you leave the arena. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> but like- that feeling to like, I just spent a bunch of money and I'm miserable. Like, it's like the, that feeling of like walking out of an arena surrounded by like people the who asshole fans of the other team. Yeah. And you're just like blew a bunch of money on feeling miserable. I, that's, it makes me never want to buy tickets to a sporting event. I'd rather watch it on TV. But you would go. I think I prefer watching sports on at your home. tiny laptop plugged into a hotel wall. Yeah, because if they're winning, you feel amazing anyway. <laughs> I've only ever felt that loyalty to like a sport when I watch Ronda Rousey, and when she lost, hey, I'm picking at my feet. When Put she lost, I remember how horrible I felt that I almost cried, and uh, I understood. It was like watching Superman shit himself. <laughs> Because I, I love her, and uh, that was hard for me. But such is sport, right, my fellow dude? Such is sport. <laughs> Bottom of the cob is man shitting his pants. That's on top of the cob. Someone like farting and shitting at the same time and burping. <laughs> 
I love you. I love you. Thank you for being on my podcast. It was very, very sweet to be. It's always funny. People are like, oh, it's so nice to be here. Like, we're just in our hotel room. Yeah, we're going to turn this off, <laughs> and then I'm going to ask you to go to the lobby and get me water while I take a shower. Oh, that is my bottom Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.